Hey everyone, On the Run with Beards and Dunn is back, episode 14. Can you believe it, Beards? Oh my gosh, Dunn, I can't <laughs> believe 14 and, you know, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you because I know you very well. We're just, we are having a ball doing oh, this. It's like you're sitting in the room with me here and, and that's what's so much fun. It's like, like you said, we've always been in touch with each other and, right. know, but you know, a month or two, it's just, that's life. Sometimes a couple months go by and you go, geez, exactly. Beards hasn't called or I haven't called Beards. Right. And then, you know, I will play phone take for a few days. Yeah. And then uh, we usually, kind of, you know, one of us will be on the road driving somewhere and then we'll, we'll get chatting on the phone. But no, so this has been, this has been wonderful. And, and, and just kind of reminiscing, oh, it's, you know. It's exciting. I tell you, after every podcast, I'm, I'm either exhausted or so jacked up. In fact, I, I told Karen, I said, I'm going to get my bike and stuff laid out. I'm going to go for a ride because I know when we get done tonight, I'm going to be ready to go out and well, bring up some and, energy. Well, and Don, you live down in the on the coast in North Carolina. And oh. You said what? It, it's in the 90s oh, it's there. it's like 99 degrees. The index, the heat index is probably like 110. I got to admit, I love it. I don't mind the heat. You know, I take plenty of fluids. And uh, I grew up on a dairy farm in South Dakota. Right. And you know about dairy farming. In the, right. In the summertime, our barn was not air conditioned. We didn't no. have anything like <laughs> Our house wasn't air conditioned. No. And so, you know, you get in between those cows and the heat. Oh. You know, they're black and white, they're ho- uh, right. Holsteins. The heat just radiates off of those cows. And I tell you what, it's either survival of the fittest. You either died or you adapted. And I think well, I adapted. To the, I and, adapted. you know, Dunn, is that, that heat wave that's been all over the country, except up here around northern <laughs> Minnesota. I tell you, I had some folks out on a guide trip Sunday. We were dressed like it was October, and I'm not making this up. On the way back to town when we got done fishing... I had the heater on in my, oh my truck God. in mid-July. That that folks that are listening to this do not go to Bemidji, Minnesota. No, no, ever. it's 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 warm. <laughs> it's gonna warm. It's supposed to, it's like seventy today, and then it's supposed to be like in the eighties next week. So it's warming up. When's it? When's the ice start? About September or what? Well, yeah, <laughs> end of August. Well, we usually go <laughs> no. up there fishing with you in September, and it is awesome. It yeah. is just it great is so time good. to be here. Yeah. Well, anyway, we you know last week was just off the charts with London, you know, what a, what a great memory that you have of that and great experience. And it was so much fun to see you doing it. And then you came back, you know, we got to remember London was March. I think you told me 29th. Yes. And, and I remember you said in your training diary, the next day you ran six miles. The day I did. That, you ran 10 and then you're probably flying. You, you flew back to the U S and how, what was your training like then the next, you know, what, what, what happened? Because I'm just going to give it away. Grandma's Marathon's coming up on June 3rd. And I know you had mentioned you wanted to do Grandma's the year before, but it was the same day as your wedding. Right. Yeah. So you had to kind of nix it in 2000 or 1980, excuse me. But now it's 1981. You just finished uh, London, March 29th. Was Grandma's already penciled in? It was. I had already decided I'm going to run Grandma's and I had uh, talked to Scott Keenan, the race director there, and uh, told him that I was going to come and run. And he said, um, you know, we'll give you a free entry and we'll put you up at the Radisson Hotel. You know, we'll take care of your lodging. So, you know, that was a pretty nice little deal back then. So just to be totally transparent, no cash appearance. You know, I might have got 500 bucks. Okay. All right. Because I know after running 211 at London and, you know, Houston and Beppu, it's kind of like Scott had to feel like, no, this is your, your hometown guy. It might have been 700. We're taking care of you. Because yeah. I know it got a little better in future years, but we'll, we'll get into that later. So, and so after London yeah. done, 
so yeah, I ran, you know, the next day I went and did a six mile run, but I noticed my left calf was a little sore and I thought, well, it's just from the cobblestone well, and running a marathon. Yeah, <laughs> running a marathon and but then I did, you know, I did ten miles the next day, ten after that, then I did fifteen after that, and then I went back to doubles and but my my um my calf was still bothering me and so I finally went to a podiatrist, but the week after so the it had been the second week after uh, after um, London, mm-hmm. I was back running 128 miles that week. So and so I kind of got right right back into my training. What did the podiatrist do for you? Well, so I went to him because I uh, it was really starting to really bother me, and I could tell I was compensating. So there was a, at the time there was a, a really good podiatrist in Minneapolis named Dr. Jerry Christensen. And all the runners went to him. And so I went to him, and I'll never forget this. I went to him, and, and um, he looked at it, and he, he did some things to it. And he says, I don't want you to run for a couple of days. And uh, so I, I didn't run for a couple of days. I ran in the deep end of a swimming pool, you know, put a little life belt around me. And then I went back to him two days later, and he did some kind of this miraculous tape job. And he says, go out and give it a shot. So I went out, I ran from his office. I did a 10-mile run, sub-six-minute sub pace, and my calf felt good. So I just, I kept that tape on there until it wore off. <laughs> and eventually, you know, it just, the, the calf healed up, and it got better, and went, and, okay, uh, and so then it was, it was fine. Kind of a, okay, so a strain or whatever that just needed a little time to, yeah. to heal. All right, very good, all right. So, yeah. But then, did I hear you say 128 miles, like the second? Yeah, so then, you uh, know. I, I had a uh, 128 miles a week and a half after grandma's and then London, yeah. or uh, London. Yes. And then I had to kind of cut back a little bit and took two days off. So I had like 70 miles that week. <laughs> and then the following week I got right back into, I think right around 120 miles a week, something like that. And, right. and back doing my hard stuff again. So you're into April, mid April heading towards the, and so the weather up there is probably getting decent. Yeah. You know, I looked at some yeah. of my notes that all was very slippery because we had some snow, you know. But okay. by that time, most of the snow was starting to melt, and and things are getting a little bit nicer weather-wise and and temperature-wise. So I was, uh, you know, able to get out and really start doing some, you know, good hard fart licks. Even go to the track every once in a while and and do some track things. So when you talk about fart lick, and I think all the runners know, you know, there's different ways of doing it. Some people will, you know, maybe go. It's supposed to be just spontaneous. You know, I'm going to go. And sometimes I know in college we'd we'd run uh, telephone poles, right? You know, or something. Or you just set a you look down the road and you see a mailbox. It might be a quarter mile. Exactly. Yeah, hey, I'm just going to pick it up to race pace from here to there, and then I'm going to back off and see how long. And then when I feel good, I'll pick another goal. Right. Some people look at their watch and do like one minute, two minute, three minute pickups and things like that. I know with, you know, as we got into the technology, some people would even use their heart rates, you know, to kind of judge how long sure. they're going to go. What, what was your, any philosophy or just whatever felt good? Well, so done, kind of like what we did back at South Dakota State University. You know, I'd pick a telephone pole out yeah. and run to that hard, you know, or, or a tree or a house or something. But then when I got hooked up with Coach Squires, right. he's the one that started me doing these 
like one minute pickups with a two minute recovery. Okay. And the recovery wasn't just jogging. I mean, it was kind of right back to your normal pace. And then I'd pick it up for another minute. Or, I mean, he had me doing sometimes up to 10 minute pickups at one wow. time and at a, you know, really fast pace. So I, I tell you what, that fartlek, because I didn't go to the track all that often, but that fartlek, you know, you know, a lot of guys, gals, and are you're up in that lead group, and somebody throws in a surge, and you know, after the first one, you can, you know, first two, you can usually go with it. But coach had me doing these all the time, so I'd throw in a surge, throw in another one, throw in another one. Well, by about the fourth one, most of the guys you're racing against yeah, like are just hanging on, or they've already dropped off. I think I remember was it Coach Squires that said, correctly, like they're in a 10k. He said there's eight moves or something like that. Like yeah. Oh, he was always wanting he, to move. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was no, like, you just find that one speed and hang in there as long as you can. Right. And and so, um, yeah, coaches. So he was giving you some advice. It's now um, April, heading into May. Yep. Any races on your uh, schedule between London and Grandma's June 3rd? Yeah, so I'm looking at my – so I ran – you'll remember this, Don. <laughs> on uh, May 16th in 1981 – I ran my very first 10K Pepsi Challenge in Sioux Falls. Yes. And I, I was, was fortunate yeah. to win that and run 29.50. You must have been right there, too, no, pretty close. No, well, I was hurt. So I was oh, that there. year you were hurt. I was on the course cheering you on. And, yeah, I remember, um, you know, you came and did that Pepsi race in, in 81, and you came back and did it again in 82. And re- right after, after Boston. Boston. And, and Sioux Falls was so excited. In fact, we'll talk about this in the future episodes. Yeah. You know, the first, I think it was your first race after Boston. After it your was. So anyway, so you did uh, Sioux Falls, a sub 30, 10 K, which is, yep. yeah. Okay. And Sioux Falls so was an easy course. Yeah. So then a couple weeks later, um, Mary and I got invited to San Juan, Puerto Rico oh, for wow. a, a big 10 K. And so we got there and you know, it's hotter than Hades down there. <laughs> and so on um, from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. So the race was on May 25th. It started at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, my gosh. It was 92 degrees at the start with high humidity and rain. <laughs> and uh, I was fortunate to win it. I ran 29.42 that day in the heat. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so was I was it, pretty did, tickled. Was it, was it pretty competitive? Did you have anybody oh, near you? I tell you what. So coming off of London, and running's very big down in Puerto Rico. Mm. And so they were, I mean... They thought I was like an Olympic champion or something. So everybody, I mean, all the top guns in Puerto Rico were there gunning for me. And I tell you, it was a, there was about four or five of us with about a little over a mile to go. And then I, you know, was able to tried, go. I, I decided to put the hammer down a little bit <laughs> and see if I could break up, break the pack up. And I was fortunate to do that. Now, this sounds like if that was like May 25th and Grandma's is June 3rd, is about. No, Grandma's was later than that done. Are you sure? 1981? Yeah. Yep. Grandma's was um, on uh, June 20th. That long? I thought it yeah. was early June. Nope. June. T- it's always the third Saturday in June. All right. I stand corrected. Yeah. <laughs> so you had time. So, okay. So that was towards the end of uh, May. Right. And now you weren't rest. You didn't rest for Sioux Falls. You didn't rest for no. this. You were training through them. I was training through them to get ready for grandma. So everything, okay. all the the couple of races I ran after London, 
Exactly. I just, I, I kind of ran through them as far as I didn't really taper down like I would normally for a race and, and, and kind of more using it as just a good, hard speed effort, you know, and uh, we to always, get ready for grandmas. We always said there's no training like a race. I mean, you never push yourself in training like you can in a race. And, and I, I'm just excited. I kind of remembered you, you know, you came to Sioux Falls just to come see us, I'm sure. And it just happened right. to be the weekend of a 10K and you jumped well, in. Well, and it. done. I look a couple of weeks after Sioux Falls, I ran a uh, on the thirtieth of of May. I ran um, I ran a half marathon in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Mike Slack was in it. Right. And uh, I ended up. I was fortunate. I I won that race and ran one hundred four fifteen on a hilly course. I remember seeing a photo. I think you have it at your house of you and and you guys are like in perfect synchronization. Yes, I love that picture. And Mike Slack it was a oh, sub four minute what a miler. Stud. It was outstanding. And for you to and it was Excelsior. It was around that area, Minnetonka yes. and stuff. And that was so Beard, You know, you're coming off a of London. You're you're back into the on the on the horse in the saddle right? whatever you want to say you're training your butt off you're racing you know you and i i love racing I me think too in 1982 when i we'll talk about it later i think i did like 18 or 20 road races in like six month period because that was the cherry on the top of the cake you know the, the training was great that was we love i love training but really what were you training for well that's it and done you know and and you kind of you you did that a lot too where you didn't really taper down for a nah. lot of those races. You just yeah. use them as kind of yeah. a good, hard workout. Well, because Jay Dirksen, that was his philosophy. You know, he wanted you ready. You, you picked your target, and that's what you were training towards. Everything else along there was just a stepping stone. Absolutely. Was, yeah, and so. Um, and now right. these kids, the kids nowadays, though, they hardly race at all yeah, anymore. I know. They're, those youngsters nowadays don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a couple old geezers yeah, talking no about the kidding. good old days, and we used to race every weekend. Right. Well, anyway, it's so. That half marathon was what the um, end of May, first yeah, of so June. The, the half marathon was uh, yeah May thirtieth. All right, Grandma's so was you got three weeks. June twentieth. Yep. yep. So you got three weeks. Anything, anything else between June first and June twentieth? Just no. Training? So that the week after I ran that half marathon, I ran one hundred and forty miles that week. Wow. And then um, two weeks out, so. Coach Squires had me do a workout. You know, most people do their last, you know, real long, like a 20-miler, like a couple weeks Two out. weeks out, yeah. Yeah, Coach always had me do mine about 12 days out. Right. So he had me set up a course, and he and so here's what he wanted me to do. He wanted me, he, I ran the first five miles at uh, a little under five-minute pace. Oh, Lord. This is training. The next, okay. Yeah, and then the next five miles at about 520 pace he wanted me to back it off a little bit okay. then the third five at 510 pace and then the the uh fourth five mile stretch um at about 520 pace and then he wanted me to run the last mile hard and i ran i ran the 21st mile in like 450 so i ran 145 that day for a 21 miler so not to or do the 20 math, miler it's pretty much a 216 marathon if you would have just even a little quicker than little that yeah yeah so you it sounded like race simulation is close oh, without going to that into it, the and well. so done yeah. so that night you know after that long that my last long run i was so excited so i i called coach squires up on the phone and i tell him and oh my he starts screaming at me on the phone I mean, if he could have put his hand through the phone and grabbed my neck, he would have. 
He says, "Oh, Dickie, you blew it. He says you left it all out on the on a on a training <laughs> ground, blah blah blah." And then I'm not saying a word. And then all of a sudden, Coach goes, "Dickie, just calm down. Just calm <laughs> down." And I'm thinking, "Me calm down?" And um, so he said, "No, you'll be fine. You recover quick." So he, I think he didn't want to me start having doubts that oh i might have left it out on the training well, course and was, did he i hate to say i don't know underestimate so when you were doing those okay sub five for the first five 520 you're like this feels pretty good done okay yeah. now you know me i i don't i'm not a boaster or a bragger no but honest to gosh when i i was supposed to run a little bit slower than five minute pace but it felt honest to goodness it felt so gosh dang easy. And I mean, I had to, and when I cut it back the second five, that 520 pace, it felt like I was walking. I love it. You know, for people listening to this, this isn't normal. <laughs> this, isn't no. nor- this isn't your normal <laughs> runner. You know, this is this is uh, those guys at the, the top one-tenth of one percent that can, you know, kind of do this. You're coming off 140 mile a week. And yeah. You're, and and your legs are feeling that. I hate to use the word fresh. I don't think fresh is the right word, but good. Oh, they feel good. And, you know, and and I did this workout all by myself. And and Ah. so that gave me a lot of confidence, too. Okay, so now it's 10 days before grandma's. You just did this pretty amazing workout. You you started your taper, I would have to assume. So the the week before grandma's, uh, I did 111 miles. And then the week of grandma's, so on the Sunday before, I did a 12-miler and a four miler in the afternoon, nine and five, eight and five, seven, five, seven and two. And then on the day before I, I just went out and ran about four and a half miles, just real easy and stuff. <laughs> just and, for the nerves. Uh, yeah. So Beards, I kind of going back, I don't remember. It's too long ago. Were you still putting in some part-time work at BJ's or did you, know, you give that up or did it just like you, if they called you, you might've went in, but do you remember? I, 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 I don't remember for sure. I think at that point I might have been a little bit, very little. A couple days a week. Because, I don't yeah, know. And, and, and I was, I had, at that point I had signed a deal with New Balance where, right. you know, I was making, Boy, you know, yeah. like 12000 a year or something, which was a lot of money so back then. when did that, you know, because you, you started off, I think it was like 500 a month, and you guys were so tickled because that basically kind of paid the rent. Right. And then after Bep, Houston, Beppu, London, did that, yeah. did, did they renegotiate? Yeah. Okay. Then, then they, they bumped it up to $1,000 a month. Wow. And I was tickled pink. So now pink. You're, you're not only paying the rent, you're paying the electric and groceries. Right. I mean, yeah, not that not... you're living high on the... You know, no, but it, we're not having to look underneath cushions and, <laughs> and stuff for nickels, dimes, and quarters to put more milk in the fridge. And obviously, you know, this guy don't... But everybody knows, you're, you're, anything you need running-wise is provided. Um yeah, New Balance. Yeah, I tell you, shoes, they were, warm up, oh, Gore-Tex stuff. I don't shoes, know. Shoes, the all my all my running gear, and they're one of the first companies to come out with a Gore-Tex suit yeah. and and all that stuff. I mean, I honest to gosh, Don, I I I I thought I was living a like having a dream or something. Right. It was just almost oh, too good to be true. We were living it with you, bud. Trust me, we we're all right. You know, just kind of waiting on every every race result. All right, so you finally. You and Mary headed up to Duluth a so day or two before? Here, no, here's what happened. Mary had to work, so I had to leave on a Thursday to get up there for like a little press conference or something. 
So, you know, you, you remember that little white little Honda, Honda we have? Three speed on the floor. Yeah, yeah, it was about the size of a matchbox <laughs> yeah. car. You and I drove that to Kansas City one time. Yes. Back. And so Mary had to work. She was working, I think, at a bank. And so I had to leave that morning. So I remember, gra- and she was going to ride up with my parents or something, I think, on the next day. So I remember grabbing the mail out of the oh, post box. Lo- yeah. And and my and a couple of my bags and so I, I threw the bags in the back seat and I throw the the uh mail over on the passenger side. So, you know, at this point now all I can grandma's marathon has overtaken my mind. <laughs> so I get out of Minneapolis, I'm driving north on Interstate thirty five heading to Duluth and I all I can think about is grandma's marathon. I thought I gotta get my head off, you know, my mind off of this. It's too early. So I looked over <laughs> yeah. And one of my track and field news running magazine had come. So I thought, well, I'll just read that while I'm driving <laughs> up to Duluth. <laughs> okay. So I grabbed the magazine. I flip it open, not to any particular page, and it big, bold headlines, John Graham of England runs two hours, nine minutes, 48 seconds at the Rotterdam Marathon, right. which at the time... That was like one of the time, best times ever well, run in the world. I think Derek Clayton had run 208.33. He had also run like a 209 low 30s. So he had like to the two fastest ever. That dude might have been. The Soul Brothers had run a 209, one of them. And, right. And then now this one. I mean, there's only a handful of guys that have ever broke 210. Right. 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 Bill Rogers so, had done it a couple yeah. times. Okay. So I, re- I read the article and I thought, well, I guess I better put, you know, the magazine down and so I get safely to Duluth. <laughs> so between these two little towns along the interstate, north of Minneapolis, w- between Willow River and Moose Lake, Minnesota, you know how they have mile markers along right. the interstate. Mm-hmm. The first mile marker that I see is mile marker number 209. <laughs> so now... I'm always one, as you know, Don, I wake up in the morning always looking for positive things to enhance my day. Sure. So my, my goofy little brain's thinking, holy cow, wait a minute here. You flip open this magazine to not any particular page, and this 209 pops out at you. The first mile marker I see is mile marker number 209. So I'm thinking, am I going to run a 209 on Saturday? <laughs> no, now, your best is 211. Right. Okay. So almost 212. Yeah. So you go, you think, well, that's only, you know, 212 to 209. That's only three minutes, oh. but three minutes at that end of the oh. spectrum is a lot. Is a lot. So anyhow, I finally, I pull into downtown Duluth about two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm staying at the Radisson hotel. So I grab my bags and I go up to the front desk and I go, I go, yes, ma'am. Um, do you have a room for Dick Beardsley? Oh, yeah, you betcha, Mr. Beardsley. And she walked in the back room and comes out and hands me a packet and hands me my key. Now, this is before they had key cards. They gave you a key, you know. So Let me guess. I walk around. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I walk around to the elevators. Of course, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, nobody's really checking in yet. And the elevator doors are, are wide open. So I step onto the elevator doors, and they, they shut. And I thought, I guess I better look and see what room I'm in. And I look at my key. Two and I start, and and I start jumping up and down like a kid that got a brand new train set for Christmas. What room do you think I had? Two oh nine. Two oh nine. Not even close. What? It was room nine oh two, but backwards. That's two oh nine. And done. I didn't know if I was going to win the race on Saturday, but I didn't tell a soul this. But in my mind. There was no doubt 
I was going to run a 209 marathon wow. on Saturday. All right. Well, yeah. uh, and I wonder if you do. Well, we're going to. All right. So you get up. <laughs> all right. So this is Thursday. You get up. You settle down. You had some pre-race stuff you had to commit to. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a couple little news conferences, things like that. I remember Friday night, it was uh, pouring rain. I remember going outside. I just had, you know, you know, remember how I used to get before a big race. Yeah. I just didn't want to talk to anybody. And so I'm out doing a little walk underneath a, an overhang so I wouldn't get wet outside the Radisson Hotel. And and so I get back up to my room, and I always, when Mary and I would go to these races, I always had a room with two beds, hmm. you know, because we'd sleep in one. And then, you know, I knew I wasn't going to sleep very well. You know, the nerves and the excitement, and I'm getting up, it seemed like every half an hour going to the bathroom and whatnot. But I always wanted my my race uniform to get, to get a good night's sleep. So I would I would pull back the sheets on the empty bed, and I'd put my racing singlet about where I would be laying. I'd put my shorts down where my butt would be, my socks down at the end of the bed along with my shoes, and I'd cover it up knowing that, well, I might not get a very good sleep tonight, but my racing outfit's it's gonna, gonna be ready to go. It's not, it's not gonna hold you back. Be, I mean... Uh, People are going to think, well, they know I'm kind of goofy well, anyhow. No, but, no, but you're, you're getting into your, it's a psychological thing. Now, hey, did just not to, do you, you carbo loading, uh, pumping the fluids. I mean, it's the day, 24 hours before the race. Right. What's your, do you have a routine or anything you try to do or just? Not really. You know, my mom would make me uh, banana bread the week of a couple uh. loaves. I love banana bread and the bananas, of course, high in potassium and, and help prevent cramps in your legs so i and I ate a lot of bananas and then pretty much all week long i was eating some kind of pasta yeah. every day so you're you know you're carbo loading but you don't do the depletion no and put yourself no i i never did the depletion i think if i did i'd you know i'd, I'd blow away like a <laughs> yeah, gosh dang you couldn't twig. afford to, to not no. eat for, for very long so yeah. you know new balance had sent me a brand new racing suit and you know uh singlet and shorts and uh, and a brand new pair of racing shoes that, and they wanted me to wear this new singlet because the name New Balance was a lot bigger on the front. Mm. Well, I always took two pair of of racing stuff with me, right. shoes, everything. You know, because the last thing you want to do is wake up in your racing shoes. You forgot them. You and I wear a size nine, and I now I have to wear a a guy's size twelve because that's all that's available. You know, <laughs> so. The uh, I had my so I had my new uniform all laid out in the bed there so I could get a good night's rest and I had my old uniform and I was pretty superstitious you know if I, I wore the same singlet and shorts socks and shoes all the time hmm. well I had them stuffed up in a duffel bag up in the up in the closet so I get up the next morning you know I'm excited and and Mary's excited and I got my stuff on and she walks out the doors to go downstairs to get our ride out to the start. And I go out the door, and it closes behind me, and all of a sudden, it hit me. I thought, I got to go back in the room. So I, I said, Mary, I'll meet you downstairs. So I went back in the room, and I felt so guilty that I had this uniform I'd won the London Marathon with and all these other races. I had it stuffed in a bag up in the corner of the closet. It's like, it's like, it, done. It'd be like you and me being best friends and then another guy moves into the neighborhood. <laughs> and I, you and won't call, return my calls anymore. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and has a, 
a, a nicer train set and you forget <laughs> about your good buddy that's been there with you the whole time. So I, I thought, well, I can't do this. So I, I took the my old racing stuff out and I hung the singlet on a hanger. I pinned my old racing shorts to the singlet and I pinned my old racing socks to the shorts and I tied my old racing shoes to the socks and my room looked right out onto the 25 mile mark and I hung my old uniform in the window so it could see me as I ran by. Oh, it was cheering for you, Beards. You had the, it was. your old uniform it was. supporting you. It was. So anyhow, oh, Lord. so we finally get up to the start and it is the most perfect day to run a marathon. It's about 48 degrees at the start, oh, wow. 48 degrees at the finish, and no wind. And it was cloudy and, and some fog and mist rolling in off of Lake Superior. And a guy named Gary Bjorkland. Right. Now, Gary, we called him BJ. He was, in my opinion, one of the greatest runners to distance runners to ever come out of Minnesota. And he had won the Grandma's Marathon the year before and ran 210.20. Yeah. So... The race starts, and him and I, we bolt out of the, the starting zone, starting area, and I get about a quarter mile down the road, him and I running together. And I had a terrible habit back then, and I look back, and the fog was so thick, I could not see any of the other <laughs> 7,000 runners. Yeah, right. And so BJ turns to me. He goes, Beards. He goes, hey, it's just you and me, buddy, but it's your race. He says, I'm going to do everything I can to help you out, but it's your race. Well, my first thought is, wait now, he's an Olympian. He's from the Duluth area. He's a defending champion, course record. My first thought is, he's setting me up for the kill somewhere down down the road. So at about four and a half miles, I get a terrible stitch in my left side, and I'm I'm trying not to let BJ see it because I'm thinking if I do, he'll take off on me. And I'm trying to rub it. And finally, it got so bad, I turned to him. I said, BJ, I got a terrible stitch. He goes, Beards, no problem. We'll back off the pace a little bit. And at five miles, there's an aid station. Get a drink of water. You'll be fine. So we backed off the pace a little bit. We, I get a cup of water at the five-mile mark. Boom, stitch is gone. I'm thinking, man, this BJ is a pretty good guy. So we're running along. Now, this is how naive I was. Is Now, remember, when they measure a course, they measure it. The shortest distance. The tangents. Right. Well, I, I either forgot or I didn't know that. So I'm running right down the middle of the highway, this old highway that was closed off. Well, BJ's cutting every corner. He finally he runs out to where I'm at at about 10, 10K into the race. He goes, Beards. What in the tarnation are you doing <laughs> running out in the middle of the road all the time? And I remember turning to him, I go, BJ, I go, what the heck are you doing? I said, you're cheating. You're cutting the corners. And his exact words to me were, Beards, you big cob of corn. <laughs> he, say, he says, they measure it the shortest way you can run it. So I go, oh, okay. So now I start cutting the corners. I so. Love it. We come through the halfway point, 13.1 miles, and 104 and like 39 wow. or 40. Man. And BJ turns to me, he says, Beards, you got a 209 going. 
And I remember I started chuckling a little bit. I said, so well, how about, can we just stop right now and double our time, yeah. you know? So, and now, now you got to remember this. This up through about 15 miles, we're running, you know, sub five minute pace. Right. But him and I are kind of talking quite a bit to each other. Well, at 15 miles, the, the talking pretty much quit. Okay. Yeah, no more chit-chatting. So we're going along here, going along. Well, at eight, about a little after 18 miles, it's when you get off the old highway and you, pretty soon you come into the city limits of Duluth where the crowds get really, really big. Well, once again, I turn back over my shoulder to see if anybody's coming. Of course, I didn't see anybody. And when I turn back around, BJ was like 30 yards in front of me <laughs> and he's flying. And I'm thinking... That son of a gun, he was setting me up. He wanted to run together until we got into the city limits where the crowds are big. He's a local boy. They're going to be cheering for him, so I take off. But I don't catch him until the 19-mile mark. Ooh. So I thought, okay, I got I to gotta make this guy hurt. So I put <laughs> the hammer down. I throw in this hard surge, and I get to the 20-mile point, and a volunteer on a bike comes up. He goes, Beards. You just ran a 441 mile, but BJ's like less than 10 yards back. So I remember turning around, I could still see the color of his eyes. <laughs> so I thought, man, I got to really put the hammer down. So I put the hammer down I, and I get to the 21 mile mark and the guy on the bike comes up. He goes, Beards, you just ran a 436 mile and BJ's hurting. And I'm thinking, BJ's hurting. <laughs> I think I'm going to have a heart attack at this point. <laughs> I got to stop you, Beards. You're one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. You give you the shirt off your back, but in a race, it's a freaking knife fight. But it is. <laughs> I tell you, when you stick the knife in, I mean, I've ran races with you, and I've always thought, well, hey, I'm going to hang. Geez, I'm running with Dick. Maybe we can just run together. The next thing I know, Beards throws in a freaking surge, drops me like a bad habit. He crosses the finish line. I come in eventually, and he's, oh, Mike, you did great. Pat me on the back and stuff. <laughs> and so when people are listening to this, I am not kidding you. When he says, I'm going to make this guy hurt, and now I'm going to put in a move, that's called racing. Right. <laughs> and that's called competitive instinct. And you definitely you definitely have it. Wasn't Lemon Drop Hill? Where's that at on the course? So that's coming up. Oh, okay. So, so. I, I, I look back and I could see BJ's arms are kind of hanging and stuff. And, He's hurting. And I could <laughs> tell he was hurting, but I was hurting too. So I backed it off a little bit. And then at just after 22 miles, you come up what was is called Lemon Drop right. Hill. Mm -hmm. Now, it's it's still a pretty good hill, but back in the day it was a quite a hill because the, the bypass around the city of Duluth hadn't been put in yet. So it was a double hill. So you go up the hill, crest it, then go up another hill. So I get to the top of the second hill and I start coming down the backside, a nice gradual downhill. And I looked at my little Casio watch and the battery had gone oh dead. Oh my God, it's blank? It's blank. You don't, okay. Now, so this is back in the day before we had a pace car or anything like that. So now you got to remember this. It's the first time I'd run grandma's. I'm not even sure where I'm at on the course. And my watch isn't working. Okay. And the fog is getting thicker and thicker. So I finally get down off of this gradual downhill where it flattened out a little bit. And that gosh dang stitch came back. Uh. And it is worse than it was 
No, where where are you we know, at, at in the, the race? Five mile 23, point. I'm 24? somewhere about 23, okay. 23, 23 and a half okay. miles, something like that. So I start rubbing my side and I look back and nobody was around. So I start grunting. I, I start grunting like a bear, like I'm going, uh, and I'm pursing my lips and blowing air through it, trying to get the, to go away. And, and I thought, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm still running at a pretty good clip, but you know, my inclination was, oh my gosh, they're going to, the whole field's going to come by me. But then I, I start talking to myself and I remember saying to myself, okay, if you can get to the Radisson hotel, cause you make a sharp left-hand turn there. And at that point it's one mile to go. And I remember telling myself, if you can get there in first place, nobody, I don't care how bad of a stitch you have, yeah. is going to beat You're you. You're going to gut it now, out, yeah. Again, I was telling myself this, you know. So as I, I'm moving, you know, block after block, and I'm straining my eyes through the thick fog trying to see this tall Radisson Hotel, finally, I, I can barely see it through the fog, and now it's getting a little bit closer and a little bit clearer, and... And now I can see the corner where I'm going to turn. Well, you're still up feeling ahead. the stitch. You still it's got the bad uh, stitch. Okay. And so now I'm about probably 60 yards from the turn. Now, back in the day there, that was on Superior Street. They only closed off one half of the road. So the other half had all this traffic and stuff in it. So as I'm coming towards that corner, I noticed there's a little kid right in the middle of the street I'm running on at the corner playing with his little Tonka toy truck. So I'm thinking, surely the mom and dad are gonna get the little fella out of the way. So now I'm about 40 yards out and the little kid's still hanging there. Now, even though I've got a stitch, I'm you know moving at a pretty good clip. So I start yelling, the kid, the kid, and I'm waving my hand, get the kid out of the way. <laughs> Nothing happens. <laughs> now I'm like, 20 yards from the kid. Now it's down to 15. All of a sudden, that little kid, he picks up his truck and he starts hoofing across towards the street with all the people on. And now I'm less than 10 yards from the kid and he stops in the middle of the road, looks at me, and he freezes. At this point, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? If I go to my right, I'm going to run into the traffic. If I go to my left, I'm going to run into the lamppost in the crowd. Or do I take the kid out? <laughs> At that point, my only option was to take the kid out. So I ran smack dab into that little kid. He went flying off into the crowd on the side of the street. I remember looking back and I heard him crying. I'm thinking, well, that's good. It means he's still breathing. <laughs> and, but I tell you what, done. It made my stitch go away. Probably the yelling or something. Oh, I don't know. Or, or, or hit well, the kid. Well, it distracted you so much. Yeah. And so I make that left-hand turn, and then there's a bunch of turns. And then I still remember coming around the last turn into this long straightaway. And the, the crowd is huge. People are screaming and yelling, and, and they're going, you're going to break 210. And I'm thinking, what are they talking about? Right. And as I got closer, I could see the clock reading 209 something. I'm thinking, did Scott Keenan, the race director, forget to start the clock? <laughs> That's wrong. Yeah. But I come across the finish line, and the clock stopped at two hours, nine minutes, and 36 seconds. They and yeah, they rounded it up to 37 beards. I hate they did. Yeah, it was like 209, 36.6 or something like that. Wow. And I remember, 
I was jumping up and down, you know, like a little kid that just got a won a million dollars and and my mom and dad were inside the finish shoot. And my dad, who you could have hit over the head with a to, you know a two by four, and wouldn't cry. Man, my dad's crying. My mom's crying. You're... I'm I'm gonna start crying right now. <laughs> I love it. And it was just just such an emotional, unbelievable experience. And you know, if you come to our extras on our our website, the the beardsanddonepod.com, I've got some photos I found from Grandma's eighty one. You and BJ, you're sharing, yeah. you're sharing a cup of water. Unlike right. Bapu, they don't care if you guys share water no. in Duluth. <laughs> no. no disqualifications for sharing a cup of water. And there's that finish line shot. It is a classic shot, Beards, of you with your arms in the air. The biggest yes. god dang smile on your face. Oh. And, you know, it's a classic. It's a great shot. And um, it, Well, done. Yeah. I was, listen, going into the race, I, I knew I was in the best shape of my life. But when you're, t- I mean, I, I, I was only nine seconds off of Bill Rogers' American, American record, record that day. Missed it by ten. I, I remember reviewing yeah. the results and thinking immediately because I knew Rogers had ran two oh nine twenty six at uh, when he beat twenty seven twenty seven at he beat Seiko in Boston in seventy nine. Right. Yeah. And I thought, man, Beards, ten more seconds. You'd have I the know. American record, the fastest time ever by an American. I, I, I know. Oh, okay, and- you're number two. You're number two I know. at that point. But but done. It was surreal. It was so far beyond. Yeah. I mean, 209 wasn't even in my thought at the time. But again, you go in there trying to be competitive, you know. But I tell you what, this is how great of a coach Coach Squires was. And unfortunately, you know, about it was about a year ago now I was out at his funeral. Right. He died at just, just missed hitting the age of 90. But when he sent me a letter before grandma's with another envelope inside that letter and said, do not, don't open this until after the race. So I get back to my room after meeting, meeting with the media people and the tail, you know, all those folks. And, and I, I opened up that envelope and inside it was just a few words. He says, it said, Dickie, you're going to run between 209 and 210. And I ran 209.37. Nailed it. He nailed it. And that's from a coach that is coaching me by telephone and on beer stained napkins from the Elliott Lounge. I mean, that's how good, well, great yeah. of a coach you, he is. When you think about the people he had worked with, with Salazar Rogers, Greg Meyer, I mean, the guy, he knew what he was talking about. He knew his and stuff. And he knew you. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Beards, I got to stop. <laughs> I got to stop. I'm worn out. <laughs> I tell you, I just ran grandma's again. That is fantastic. You know, and it, it, this is just off the charts. You know, when you think about, I keep coming back to it. May of 1980, you went to the Olympic trials thinking one more marathon so I can tell my grandkids I did it. I qualified and ran in an Olympic trials. And here you are basically 13 months later. This is now your 13th consecutive personal best, which set the Guinness Book of World Records, which I know for males, I think it still stands to this day. I'm pretty sure it is. And so in that one year period, you went from, I, I went from one of done. us guys to one of the best in the world. You know, I was I hadn't broken two twenty before I ran the Olympic trials in May of eighty uh, nineteen eighty, and then yeah, now like you said, a year later. I mean, I've been I've been very blessed, as oh, you know, it's a, it's with many things in my it's life, a but especially with my oh, running. It's a fantastic story. It's almost it's almost beyond belief, but it's not because it's real. We were there. We saw it. You know, hopefully well, a few hundred years from now, somebody will. 
log on to this podcast and go, that couldn't have happened. You know, I know. Like that. Well, and, 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 and I, I appreciate you letting me talk about that oh, race because I am. It, parents, I'd listen to it, that over and over. I'll probably replay this several times after we put it up on the Well, it, it like gets that. me fired up too. And we want to thank all the folks for listening today. And we hope you enjoyed it as yeah. much as done as, and I have done. If you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you know, please contact us directly on our website at beardsanddunpod.com or you can sure leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all at Beards and Dunn Pod. Of course, you know, the YouTube, if you've seen it there, you know, hit the like, subscribe, whatever. You know, and I, I have had several people that have, don't know you and they just know yeah. me from meeting me here in New Bern and mostly through cycling. And some of them, just because I mentioned it to them, they've been listening to it. And, you know, I want to encourage anybody, if you like what you're hearing and you think other people would, I'm going to ask you, hit the share button on Facebook. Yes. Or hit it, send, to you, send some friends an email and say, this may be something you like. And a lot of people tell us they listen to it either when they're working out or they're in the car. And they just, you know, it's something to kind of get them through a period of time and kind of fire them up a little bit and have a good laugh while you're doing it. Exactly. Right. Well, Beards, have a great day. I can't wait to... You know, next week, uh, we're going to talk about post-grandmas because I just can't even imagine what your life kind of turned into, but you can tell. Right. Us. And then, gee, you're going to take a big, long break, aren't you? No. <laughs> we'll there, find out next exactly, week. Exactly. There's another marathon on the horizon. We'll talk about it next Done. time. Always good talking to you, buddy. See, Have buddy. a good bike ride tonight. Yeah, I'm going right now. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.